When we come to reading the word of scripture, uh, we want to be mindful that we're not just reading words off a page or off a screen, uh, but we're also listening for a voice with the word on the page and the word and the voice beneath the words on the page. So we're listening to the voice of God as we come to the word of scripture. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, when you're reading scripture, let it sound in your ears and let it work in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, or at least try not to, um, but accept them, or I would say receive them as they are said to you, accept or receive the word of scripture. Don't ask, how shall I pass this on? Rather ask, what does it say to me? And then ponder this word long in your heart until it has gone right into you and taken possession of you. So as you hear this word, this story from the word of little Samuel, begin to open your heart to receive, to accept, to listen to the voice of God in the scripture. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. And before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered him, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is is listening. And maybe just now take a moment giving yourself space to simply say here, right here, here I am. I'm listening, Lord. And now listening for the voice in Psalm 139. 
Make it a prayer. Let it search your own heart. Give some breathing space around this word. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grands of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. I, um, I'm looking forward to this year. It's uh, always a good feeling, don't you think? Like, get a clean sheet for the next year, you get to start fresh. Um, and thinking about that for us as a church, where is God taking us in 2024? And what I feel like I keep hearing from God is this idea of taking us into um, more intimacy with God. That that longing of God's heart is that we would get to know him more. But um, how by knowing God more, we end up knowing ourselves as well, which is such an interesting thing. I, I, I think it was Spurgeon that said that, that these two things are so entwined, knowing ourselves and knowing God and um, understanding like where God is in that intimacy. I, um, it's, it's such like a fundamental thing to our faith. Last week we were talking about prayer. I mean, sorry, with worship. And Greg was talking about how worship is this participation with the Spirit. It's not something that we just go and do. It's something that we get involved in what God is already doing. And I was thinking in some ways, too, we're, we're talking about prayer, which can be such sort of a generic term or something that we feel like is so basic to our faith. And um, yet this fundamental to me, if we're not doing this right, if we're not prioritizing, if we're not entering into this space, then we're missing so much. How do we hear God's voice? And really, that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. I, um, this is kind of an odd place to start, but our, our family has been grieving this week, uh, the loss of the Huskies to Michigan. Uh, is anybody else there? Um, yeah, see, I knew that was coming, Maddie. And, um, you know, fair enough. I, I, 
I'm not a, I'll be honest, not a huge football fan, but um, I've married into this, like the, the Papadopoulos, that's my wife's maiden name, um, that this is like deep, right? They, the Huskies are like kind of at the core, almost religiously. Um, and, and so getting married to Patty, I've had to, in some ways, take this on myself. But um, so I'm, I'm like figuring out, I'm just not a football guy, right? I like soccer, I prefer... But um, but I'm learning, and we had there was a time where we had a an NFL running back who was attending our church, Jonathan Stewart. And if you remember when Jonathan was here, I just would remember like sitting next to him and thinking, "Dude, your arms are as big as my legs, right? Like just massive, this guy." But we were talking about football, and I was like, "What is it? You know, how does it work? What are like the basic mechanics of the game?" And he's like, "Jeff, it's real simple. If my offensive line pushes them one yard, I'm gone." If they push me back, if they push our line back one yard, everything falls apart. There's nowhere for me to go. And I thought, oh, I don't even pay attention to the line. I'm always looking for the play, right? I'm always looking for the pass. I'm looking for the hole where the guy's going to run through and going, how often do we pay attention to this sort of the movement of the line? But I find myself watching that now as I watch football, noticing that as that shifts and how that opens things up. And I don't know if this really works as a segue, except I was thinking in some ways I feel like that's what we're talking about here. When we talk about things like worship and prayer, we're we're talking about the things that so often we take for granted, the things that we aren't paying attention to. But as it turns out, these things, getting them right is the key. If we're not paying attention to these basic aspects of our faith, then it's like the play is getting shut down every time. But when we do pay attention, these have the opportunities to open things up tremendously. Things like worship, things like prayer, this is where our faith comes alive. This is where we begin to thrive. Travis, in uh, the youth group, quoted Pascal, one of my favorite quotes by him, but I saw this up on their social media this week, where Pascal said, all of men's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room by himself. Have you heard that before? All man's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room by himself. And uh, some of you may be like, eh, right? Like, really, that's the problem? Like, how about like the evil intentions of men's hearts or the lustful thoughts or the, the selfish desires in there? Isn't that where the problems come from? But I think what Pascal is getting at is like these matters of the heart, the depths of the heart, we only access in this place of quiet. That so much of our life is spent in this kind of frenzy, in this hurry, in this busyness. And how little attention do we really give to the deep waters of the heart? And this is where Christ dwells within us. This is where we're being spoken to. But if we're not listening and we're not paying attention, that voice can be speaking and we're not hearing it. We're not recognizing it. And it's this thing about God where when he speaks, it's quiet. Rarely does God turn the volume up to a 10. I think every once in a while he does. But I think most of the time when God speaks, it requires a stillness in our hearts. I love how in First Kings there's a, a passage there where Elijah has just fled. He's, he's fearful of the queen, what she's coming after, Jezebel's coming after him. He runs to hide and he goes to this cave. And it's there that God comes and shows himself to him. 
And in 1 Kings 9, God said, well, the scripture says, then he said, God says, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah has this opportunity to hear it. And interestingly enough, God's going to show him where his voice is not first. Probably in all the places that we would naturally look. We're looking for the rushing wind. We're looking for the, the burst of flames when in fact God comes in the stillness. Some have interpreted that word as in the silence itself. We've heard that as a still, small voice. But when God speaks, for whatever reason, it's most of the time going to be in this silence. That if we're not paying attention, we'll miss it. I was trying to think of maybe a, a modern translation of this word for us today. And there's a word that like I heard used, and now it's like becoming less common. But people would always use this word low-key. Have you... Do you know what I'm talking about? And they use it like an adverb, like I low-key did this, or I low-key did that. And I was thinking, oh, that might be helpful, right? It's like when God speaks, he low-key speaks to us. Um, I don't know if that's helpful at all. But, but, but I think it's a good reminder that I think so often we're looking for some high key, like God, just give it to me. So often, I think for me, when I realize and recognize that voice, Oftentimes I think, oh, you've, you've been saying this for a while now. And see, this way of listening, it's what we would call like contemplative or reflective listening. It's contemplative prayer. And some of you may go like, ah, it's not really my bag, right? Contemplative, as we picture these like monks with hoods. Um, and you're thinking, ah, it's not really me. Or maybe you think that in order to be a contemplative, you need to be an introvert. And you don't. Right? I mean, introverts may like being quietly in a room by themselves, but that doesn't mean they're actually listening to God. In fact, so often I think when we do have that place of quiet, we immediately run to distraction. What are our phones but a constant stream of distraction? A way of being by ourselves, but not quietly. Oftentimes the things that we're setting our attention on are creating deeper anxieties within us. And God is there and he's whispering, but if we're not paying attention, we're going to miss it. And this is the thing, what we're going to miss is the depths of who we actually are. That it's God who speaks into those places and calls us to more. It's God who speaks these words of affection that our souls so desperately need to hear. Dallas Willard says this. He says, you are an unceasing spiritual being created for an intimate and transforming friendship with the creative community that is the Trinity. You are an unceasing spiritual being created for an intimate and transforming friendship with the creative community that is the Trinity. 
As we see this in Scripture moving, as we see this revelation coming, this is what is so profound, is that Scripture is moving further and further into intimacy with God. Understanding our identity not as servants, but as friends. Understanding our relationship with God as marriage, our role as His bride. Do we see ourselves in this light? I think so often when we look at what's going on in our minds, it too often sounds like judgment. I don't know about you guys, but when I talk to myself, often I'm very unkind. Like, gosh, Jeff, that was stupid. Why did you do that? That was terrible, right? This voice that kind of plays and comes in, my natural tendency is to gravitate towards that place of self-criticalness. But when God speaks, it's the very opposite. Think of those words that we've heard already in Psalm 139. Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. And the truth is, when we sit there in silence and hear this word, we're hearing truth that that goes beyond our ability to comprehend and yet comes with this deep reassurance. God's saying to us, I know you. I love you. I created you. How many of you live in that sort of reality every day? How much of our life do we spend truly trying to let those words sink in? In the story that Beth read of Samuel, it's this beautiful story of God speaking to this little boy. And he's going to call Samuel to be a prophet. And there's some unique ways that God spoke to prophets. And it wasn't always the most desirable calling, by the way. There's a, a reason that prophetic books are are short. It's because most of those guys didn't live very long. Speaking pro- prophetically, it was kind of an overwhelming gift. And yet it, you see here in this, this tenderness, God coming to Samuel and speaking in here in a voice that is audible to him. And I love how he doesn't understand. He doesn't know where this is coming from. He hears this voice. So he keeps running to Eli like, what? What is it? Eli's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Go back to sleep. You're dreaming. Until all of a sudden Eli starts to realize and discern, oh wait, God is speaking to Samuel. And though I I think that God often is speaking to us very differently than this, I don't know, some of you may hear God speak to you audibly. I never have. But that doesn't mean that I don't hear God's voice. That I've had to learn, though, to recognize it. To learn to discern what it sounds like. And I think when God speaks, there's there's a texture to it. And, and I think God speaks to us all differently, actually. When God gives uh, Samuel this word, one of the things that God says is, when you share this, that both of people's ears will tingle which is really interesting. I don't know if that's helpful. If you want to know when God's speaking, just wait for both your ears to tingle. (laughs) See, right? What does that even mean? Except it means something. And this is what I would say, that when God has spoken to me and it's been clear, it's come differently. 
I feel like my ears tingle, so to speak. Like something's going on here. And I remember a professor saying, anytime that happens, really pay attention, attention to the texture of that moment. To notice it once helps us notice it again. To pay attention and to recognize that voice, to recognize the tingle, allows us to hear it again and again. Now, we talked about last week with worship, how it's this participating with the Spirit. And, and the truth is, in the New Testament, we see a whole new depth of understanding to how the Spirit works. How God's Spirit comes and dwells within us in a way that is unique. That that voice of God is coming from within our hearts. And I like how even in in the book of Acts, people are still trying to figure out how this works. There's a guy who gets a word of warning for Paul, and he comes in and he says, God told me that when you go back to Jerusalem, you're going to get captured, so don't go. And Paul says, well, it's like half right. Like, I am going to get captured but I'm supposed to go. And so I like that Paul doesn't just shame the guy. He's kind of like going, oh, you, you got most of the way there. Um, but this idea of learning to discern God's voice, the, the truth is we have to grow in this ability. We have to grow in this sensitivity. But we need to be trying, and God wants us to initiate. I think that's part of why God speaks so quietly. God, in a relationship with us, desires that we would pursue, that we would search after, that we would come find him. And so this is a gentle reminder for us all that not only do we need to quiet ourselves down, but we need to set space and time where we listen. Some of you, God speaks real clearly to you. I... um I think of my friend Steve Krantz here, who every once in a while gives me words from God. I like when Steve Krantz gives me a word because it's often a low-key word from God. (laughs) And one time, see, I don't really understand how this works, not to embarrass you, Steve. But Steve, we were praying for my friend Billy, and Steve thought he had a word for Billy, and then God was like, no, it's for Jeff, right? And I'm like, how does that work? Right? No, 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 Steve. It's not for Billy. It's for Jeff. And um, I think Steve has different antenna than I have. But he he offered this word to me where he said, God told me not to let you stay small. And I thought, what does that mean? I came up with all kinds of my own interpretations of what that meant. Um, and the truth is I sat with it for like over a year. And all of a sudden, I was in a moment with a pastor um, that was before me, and we were talking about the role. We were talking about my heart, and I found myself saying, I'm not ready for that. My heart is too small. And God was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's the thing. And what I experienced in that moment was a number of different things. I felt like God was speaking truth to me where he knows that I like to withdraw. There's part of me that likes to stay small, that can conveniently pull back. And so there was a truth there that 
that maybe stung just a tiny little bit. But I felt known. I felt seen. But I felt challenged too. And I think when God speaks to us, it does sometimes come with a little bit of a rebuke. But it's there's vision behind it. It's God saying, I've made you for more. And how important that we're hearing that. All of us tend to gravitate towards a smaller, more comfortable story. But the truth is, God sees in us so much more. In every single one of you, God sees you, knows you, has plans for you to grow, wants to call you to more. But if we're not hearing that, man, we're missing, we're missing the intimacy. I love this story and our gospel reading for today comes from John 1. And it's the story of God calling Philip and Nathaniel. But in this story, Philip you know, meets Jesus first and he's telling his brother about it going like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And Nathaniel's like, he's from Nazareth? Like, give me a break. <laughs> like nothing good comes from Nazareth. And, and then there's this opportunity then for him to meet Jesus. It says, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, here's truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this? Then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this sweet little story, this little interaction. We're getting another picture into how God um, sees right into our hearts. He sees Nathaniel, and I like how I'm kind of relieved by the fact that Jesus doesn't call him out on his cynicism or his slur about Nazareth. He, he sees something deeper in there. He sees right into his heart and sees the purity of his heart. What a powerful thing. Jesus sees him and notices him and notices him under the fig tree. And I think this to me is like a, a great window in the opportunity that we have sitting with God. To realize that, that he's paying attention and noticing the really small things. The truth is, this is so reassuring. And, and this is what I think even about this word from God that Steve gave me. Is that, yeah, it was helpful. It, it, it came in for me at a time where it was like a key going into a lock and opening a door. But when I think back on that, what, what matters even more to me is this sweetness of feeling known and seen and loved. And we live in a world where people are constantly in turmoil, constantly in fear, consciously, con- consistently anxious, constantly anxious. And we're called to be a light in the middle of this world, up to be a source of peace and hope. But we cannot do it unless our hearts are at peace. Unless we have that sense of inner calm. God wants us to come and pursue him in that space. And we have to set aside that time in our lives to make room for it. 
So much of our energy is focused on all the wrong things. I had heard, I've mentioned this to you before, but I remember, um, I think it was David Brooks was talking about how the, the news programs were, there's like this, like a Chiron, they call it, their symbol. They, they had to start moving it around the TV screen so it didn't stay in, in the same place. And it was because people were keeping the news on all day long and it was burning into their TV screens, the little news icon. Is that weird? And I thought, what a picture to me of where we spend our minds and thoughts and attention. How important it is that we're pulling away from that. That we're not just setting our minds on, on all these anxieties out here or distracting ourselves by scrolling endlessly, but setting our attention to really listen to God. Recognizing that God sees you and knows you. He knows what you had for breakfast this morning. He knows what songs you listen to on your drive over here. But not just knows you. I was thinking, not just even loves you, but likes you. I think sometimes we need that reminder as well. That God looks at you and delights in you. And this gift of setting aside time. See, this is how I hear from God. I, it's one of the gifts to me of like being able to spend my life teaching the Bible, which is really fun because the, it's within there. You know, I, I like how Willard says that in Scripture, the Word of God permanently dwells. That, that you can go and you can read and pay attention, but, but the truth is God joins you in it. And in spending time focusing there, I will often all of a sudden start to see a thread developing. And I'll think, ah, here we go. I'm being shown something. I'm being guided along. And my ears tingle, right? And I mention that to you, not because like, oh, this is Jeff's superpower. It's, but it's really sweet. And I love, I, the feeling I get when I'm following that thread is joy. And it's not like what God's showing me is like, I'm not trying to say, oh, wow, look at how profound this is. It's like instead something that we get to do together. I feel that when I get up here and teach that I'm going like, look at what God and I put together, right? And it's probably got more of my fingerprints on it than it should. But there's joy in this. And see, when we spend that time with God and we are there in his presence, it's like brings God joy. And us as well. I like how Mother Teresa would say that um, you know, somebody had asked her, wow, you spend all this time praying, you know, what, what is that like? And she said, well, mostly I, I just listen. And they said, oh, okay. What does God say? And she said, mostly he just listens. I was like, oh, that gets to me at some of the texture of this as well. Like us and God listening to each other. It, it makes me think when Patty and I walked the Camino, we um, we would have a lot of words in the morning. We'd chat, we'd notice things, whatever. But usually by the last part of the day, we were kind of out of words. And we would just walk together. And I thought, gosh, that to me felt like so intimate to just be with her, quiet, listening, silent. And this to me is the invitation as we think about our faith and walking with God to set aside this time 
is an opportunity for us to sit with somebody who knows us so well, who looks into your life not with criticism, not with judgment, but with invitation. When he speaks words that are hard to hear, he he does it with love and affection, calling us to more. And this opportunity, setting aside this time, paying attention is something that I would love as we're going into this year for us as a church to begin to prioritize. And you don't need to be a hero with this, but, but maybe it's 10 minutes to sit quietly with God. You could read a scripture if you want going into it, but it's not Bible study. It's really listening It's taking these deep truths and asking God to say more. That God wants this conversational relationship with you. A chance to hear what is on your heart and for God to ask you questions and speak into your life. And when we do this as a church, right, it's not just like, well, what you need is a pastor who's listening to God. I mean, that's very important and I promise to. But what we need is a church that's listening to God. That every single one of you are an important part of this team. That this is something that's like holding the line, moving the line forward. How do we go into this year, shine a light of truth to the world? A light of hope. We're coming into an election year. It's going to be a nightmare. How could we come in and provide that sense of non-anxious presence? I think this is the way. To sit with God and hear his heart. To hear him speak directly into us. To let him guide us. To get to know that love. And then to be able to extend that love to others. I have some questions for you. As per usual. First one, how are you with silence? What do you find most difficult about it? And what do you find most troubling? When we're quiet, man... The tapes start playing, don't they? We recognize how muddy the water can be. Number two, have you ever felt God speak to you before? What was the texture? What did you notice about it? What things might help you recognize it when you hear it again? And again, this is like such an intimate part of who you are, the way that God speaks to you. Are you noticing it? And I thought by way of assignment this week, maybe spend five or ten minutes just in silence. But maybe extend this question to God. Ask God what he sees in you. Where is he leading you? And are you willing to follow? I um, so appreciate Philly leading us in worship today. And I'm going to ask her to come up and, and do one more song for us. And as we do, I pray that we would participate with the Spirit in us. Maybe pay attention and um, enter in with that heart um, wide open.